So today our, our lectionary text that we're going to be dealing with comes from Matthew chapter 23. And I will say that Matthew chapter 23 is one of the hardest chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read the whole thing and you'll understand why it's a hard chapter. Those who think Jesus was a nice guy who treated everyone with the utmost respect will be taken aback by this chapter, by his intense and fiery criticism of the religious leaders of his day. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus pulls no punches and he launches in on them with a righteous anger that ought to make all of us uncomfortable. I want to say a couple of things before I read the text for today. And we're not going to get into, the text for today doesn't get into even some of the stronger words, but I encourage you to read it on your own time. But I want to say a couple of things before reading our text. First, Jesus targets his criticism here at the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Recently, I've been paying special attention to some Jewish scholars who have rightly pointed out that many Jewish teachers and Pharisees were wonderful people who guided the Jews in honorable and loving ways. Often we read the Bible and we see Jesus' critique of the Pharisees, of the Sadducees, of the scribes, and the teachers of the law, and we can paint a broad stroke and, and act as if all of the Jewish religious establishment was broken and corrupt and awful. And that just wasn't the case. There were wonderful teachers who were guiding people in the way of God. There were Pharisees who were even um, commended by Jesus in the Gospels. And so I want you all to keep that in mind, that as I read the Gospels, I see Jesus had problems with the religious leaders, but he didn't have problems with all of the religious leaders. He was specifically targeting his criticism against the religious leaders that were corrupt, overly hypocritical, and oppressive, all right? And that is not all of them. There is a rich, beautiful tradition in the Jewish faith, and there is a rich tradition of wonderful teachers and Pharisees and Sadducees, all these folks who are actually seeking to follow after God. But like any religious establishment, there is corruption and there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. We often forget that. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. He was part of the Jewish faith. He grew up um, being taught in the synagogues. He grew up as part of this faith and cared deeply about it. And in many ways, he was calling people to be as good of Jewish people as they could possibly be. The essence of the Jewish faith was to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus taught. Christians had often used these verses in Matthew and other places in the gospel to talk negatively about the Jewish faith. And I believe this is wrong. Jesus was able to criticize the Jewish leaders with such force, partly because he was a Jewish man himself. It was his religion also. He was speaking as an insider from the perspective of the Jewish prophetic tradition, which consistently was always calling the Jewish leaders to practice their faith in ways that led to peace and justice. I encourage you to go read the prophets in the Old Testament. 
Go read Amos or Micah or Hosea, and you will notice that they sound a lot like Jesus. And his words in Matthew 23 aren't that radical when you go read the prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus was a faithful Jewish teacher standing on the shoulders of this rich prophetic tradition. And he was tapping into that prophetic spirit in this chapter. Part of the prophetic task is to criticize. That is part of it. To criticize and to bring life to things that are not right and that are going wrong. To unearth the ugly things. And Jesus did that sometimes. Jesus said beautiful and encouraging and and imaginative things that can inspire us, but he also said some hard things sometimes. And we need all of it. And so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, and you can keep uh, these things in mind that I just shared with you. Matthew 23, 1 through 12 is what I'm going to read. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then he goes on even after that with these woes. He's got these multiple woes that he says, woe to these folks for they are not following after God's ways. And you can read that on your own. You know, Jesus said these words like 2,000 years ago. It was a long time ago. Like we're talking like ancient stuff here. This is a long time ago. Yet it's interesting when I read it today, it all makes sense to me. You know, maybe some of the finer details don't make sense to you. Maybe you don't know what phylacteries are. It's a box that they would often put on their forehead with the Shema inside of it. It's like the most important scripture for Jews, and they would wear it there to remind themselves of what was important. And Jesus is accusing them of making them, I guess, extra large so that everybody would see them. You may not understand the finer details of some of this, but the overall message here, I think, probably connects with most of us. We have seen far too many examples of religious leaders who fail to practice what they preach. Am I right? Have we not seen this? We've seen far too many religious leaders who put heavy loads on people in their faith communities. Heavy loads that they are not willing to carry themselves. We've seen far too many religious leaders who become addicted to the fame and the respect and the honor that they receive who become prideful and arrogant and superficial. 
I could give you specific examples, but I don't think it's necessary because you all have your own, I'm sure. And tragically, there are too many people who have been hurt by these types of leaders, reeling from the aftermath of religious trauma and abuse. Some of you in this church have experienced those things yourselves. Perhaps Jesus saw the damage that was caused in everyday people's lives. And that's why he was so upset with the religious leaders who were causing all the harm. There are two main issues Jesus saw in some of the religious leaders of his day. The first was that they did not practice what they taught. You all understand this, right? You've seen plenty of examples of people who teach one thing, but they don't actually do the things that they teach. This is all too common and really universal across the board. The other thing is that they love, honor, and status is what Jesus said about them. You know, Jesus taught in Matthew 22, which we talked about last week, that we should love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yet he says that these people loved their honor and their status. It's a very tragic condemnation, right? Instead of loving God and loving others, they loved their honor and their status that they received. These words maybe hit home for some of us. It reminds me of the way that we often love the attention we get for looking like we're loving people, but don't actually like to love people that much, right? Personally, I will say these verses are hard for me to read. I am a religious leader, someone who teaches others about God and about the Scriptures. These words are a challenge to me and in many ways a warning to me as a leader to keep working toward integrity and wholeness in my life. Just to be clear, I do not always practice what I teach. Sometimes I love honor and status. I love Jesus' challenge to his followers. He essentially tells them to avoid lifting up any individual within your group. He challenges to not give special titles to anyone, but to see one another as siblings, all under the authority of their one teacher, Jesus. I love the way this commentary I read put it. They said the model of the Christian church is not one in which an authoritarian figure dispenses truth to all the fawning followers, but it's an egalitarian community where all are students of Jesus and children of God. You know, I imagine uh, for many of you, it's easy to identify with Jesus in these verses. I saw a lot of nods as I was talking about the corrupt religious leaders that we've all experienced you all have seen corrupt leaders, fake leaders, leaders who lack integrity. Maybe you've watched some of the many documentaries that are floating all over the streaming services about all the scandals in Christianity. And maybe you have some righteous anger within you. Makes total sense. What I want you to do this morning, though, is I want us to ask this question instead. How are we like the religious leaders? And how are we challenged by Jesus' words? We're all really good at pointing our fingers. We're all really good at saying, you're the one who's all, got all the problems, and how dare you act like that? You terrible leaders out there. You awful pastors out there.
But I think that we all need to also look at ourselves and realize that these words are not just for those people out there. But these words might have something to say for us. If we're honest, all of us lack integrity. None of us are like the, have all the integrity in the world. We all, at times, love attention and honor. Who doesn't, right? It feels nice to get attention. It feels nice when people honor you. All of us have inconsistencies in our lives. I'm sure many of us have shared articles and quotes and opinions that make us look really righteous and compassionate and just, but fail to actually do anything in our lives to work towards a righteous and compassionate and just world. During college, I heard a preacher say, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. And the point of his message was this. The sincerity and validity of our worship on Sunday is determined by how you live on Monday and the rest of the week. His point was that God is pleased with worship on Sunday that is backed up by righteous action on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's Sunday, but Monday is coming. This is an essential component of that prophetic tradition I was talking about. The prophets, Jesus included, called those who loved God to live lives that were consistent. And it wasn't just Jesus and the prophets condemning people and calling them out. It's really an invitation to something better because I believe a consistent life is in fact a better life. It is a more whole life, a more beautiful life. I think the invitation for Jesus and for many other faithful teachers is the invitation to live a life of integrity. I think integrity might be one of the most important virtues that we could try to cultivate in our lives. I would argue that integrity is particularly important right now in our culture today. In our culture that is becoming more and more fake, superficial, dishonest, shallow, and distracted. Integrity is a virtue that is really hard to find right now. All too often we are faking it and we are pretending to be the real thing. One of my favorite books in the Bible is James. Is anybody, we did a series on James here at the church. And it's written by most likely the brother of Jesus. So James grew up seeing Jesus, hearing from Jesus. He knew a lot about his brother. For James, the core of right living is integrity. It is consistency in what we say and what we do and what we believe. James learned from Jesus that we cannot compartmentalize our lives. All the different parts of our life need to become fully integrated, brought together into unity and wholeness, so that everything about you is working together in pursuit of a unified goal and outcome. The word integrity comes from the Latin word integer, meaning wholeness and completeness. You may remember, uh, if you remember back to your math classes, uh, some of y'all have math classes right now, you've learned about integers, which are essentially whole numbers. In the Hebrew tradition, the concept of of integrity meant unity and wholeness and completeness, blamelessness, purity, sincerity, honesty, consistency, authenticity, trustworthiness. Those are all synonyms that mean basically the same thing. 
If this is what integrity means, can you see why I think it is more needed today than ever? The great thinker and activist Cornel West describes integrity as a quest for completeness, he says. He says you are wholly there in the moment, mobilizing all that is inside of you. You're not wearing a mask. You are fully you. You are free enough to be who you are. Integrity is about being free enough to be who you are in every single situation and circumstance. It's an honest and authentic way of living. It's not divided or segregated, but unified and integrated way of life. If we're able to hear Jesus' critique of the religious leaders, and if we're able to recognize that we're all implicated, then I think we can begin to move towards becoming more whole people, people who have integrity. You know, I was thinking about this message in this text, and, and I think it actually fits well today as we're celebrating All Saints Day. Because I think about in my own life, the people that I respect, the people who are in my great cloud of witnesses, they are people who have integrity or lived a life of integrity before they passed away. People who were consistent, cared little about status and honor, and sought to do the right thing every single day of their life. These are the kinds of people we respect. These are the kinds of people that we trust to be there for us in the hard times. These are the kinds of people we want around us in our lives. So what I'm asking you all to do in this simple message this morning is that we honor their legacies and we accept Jesus' invitation to take off the mask, to quit faking it, and to begin to walk in wholeness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.